Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Sunday, the 12th of March, 2023, the 19th of Adar 5783, recording my Monday podcast here on Sunday evening from Jerusalem, eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people just outside the walls of the old city. Hope you are well. Hope you are safe in your part of the world. Don't forget, you can always get in touch with me during the week, Josh at thelandofisrael.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of those social media platforms, you can reach me. You can also reach me on my website, joshhasten.com. Let's jump into the news. Times of Israel reported today that a senior government official traveling in Prime Minister Netanyahu's entourage on his weekend trip to Italy, our Prime Minister was in Rome meeting with the leaders of that country, uh, of Italy this past weekend, he claimed, the senior official, that the mass protests against the government's controversial, it says here, judicial overhaul were partially funded by the Biden administration, the United States Biden administration. He said this protest is financed and organized with millions of dollars. This is an unnamed official, a senior government official. We are following what is happening. This is a very high-level organization. There is an organized center from which all the demonstrators branch out in an orderly manner. The senior official said, asking who finances the transportation, the flags, the stages. It is clear to us, he said. Another member of the premier's entourage confirmed that the senior official was referring to the United States. A similar claim was made last week by Yaakov Bardugo, He is a pundit on Channel 14 News. According to this article, an outlet closely allied uh, with the premier, with Benjamin Netanyahu. Um, Breitbart also had an article claiming the U.S. State Department funded one of the groups involved in the protests. At the same time, this article points out that over the last two months since entering office, Netanyahu has yet to receive an invitation to meet with U.S. President Joe Biden at the White House for a number of reasons, according to a senior official who briefed reporters during the visit to Rome over the weekend. He didn't elaborate on what those reasons were. However, he said the question as to why Netanyahu hasn't received an invitation would, better, uh, would be better addressed rather to the White House. There's another angle to this, and we'll, we'll get to it in, in a few minutes here. During Friday's briefing, this senior official blamed the deal. Did you hear about this? They, the deal reached between Saudi Arabia and Iran to reestablish diplomatic relations. He blamed it on the weakness of the previous Israeli government and the Biden administration. So f- let's put an earmark on that. Uh, put a little red flag. We're going to get back to that in just a minute. This Iran-Saudi Arabia um, the announcement of diplomatic ties or the reestablishment of ties between those countries. But getting back to the comments made by the senior Israeli official that the Biden administration is funding for, this is now 10 Saturday nights in a row, and there have been other protests throughout the country. The Biden administration is financing, according to the source, the demonstrations against Netanyahu. So this seems to be, if this is true, if this is accurate, it seems to be Uh, the Obama playbook, or perhaps the Clinton playbook, um, get involved, getting involved in in, uh, internal and internal Israeli matters, supporting candidates on the left when the right is in power. And let's remember, by the way, 
that Biden was, in fact, Obama's vice president. So no surprises here. And these aren't the first reports, as I said a few minutes ago, these aren't the first reports indicating that what's going on has some kind of outsider intervention. Again, Saturday night was the 10th week in a row of the protests. And last Thursday, of course, was it was called Resistance Day with people against, supposedly against judicial reform, blocking roads all over the country. Not only did they block roads, but as reported by Israel National News on Thursday morning, IDF reservists of all people broke into the Jerusalem offices of the conservative think tank, the Kohelet Policy Forum, and blocked the entrance with bags of mortar and barbed wire. Dozens of people also demonstrated outside of the building. So that's real democracy there, right? Blocking the entrance to a think tank because you, you disagree with their policies. I mean, I thought the core value of liberalism was freedom of speech. I guess that only applies when people are saying things you agree with. That's the only thing I can think of when individuals decide they're going to physically block, whether it's the entrance to Kohelet, whether, whether it's the front door of members of Knesset who are trying to come and do their duties and vote on uh, the judici judicial reform uh, bills. But yet here we have the liberals, right? Open-minded, freedom of speech. This is what we stand for. But I guess when it comes to other opinions, they are not willing to allow democracy to prevail. Just today, here on Sunday, the Jerusalem Post reported that Prime Minister Netanyahu said that opposition to ju judicial reform is just an excuse to back anarchy over democracy. This is just what we were talking about as protests against his government's overall plan continued into their 10th week. The reform is just an excuse, Netanyahu said, as he urged opposition politician to hold, politicians to hold talks with the coalition about the plan, which critics have warned will weaken the country's democracy. That's what people are claiming. That's what they've been saying for the last 10 weeks. Netanyahu added the fact that for two whole months, the opposition has not responded to our repeated calls for talks, roves that what interests the opposition is not the reform, but the creation of anarchy and the overthrow of the elected government. Let's remember, folks, we had an election in November, and this judicial reform was not nothing that surprised anybody. It was talked about before the election. A coalition was formed, a right-wing coalition was formed with the support of the people. People voted. We had an election, and now, as I've said, I don't know, maybe for 10 weeks in a row, the Sour Grapes protest movement is in full swing here in Israel. Uh, I hope that there will be sincere, honest, patriotic people who care about the country who are willing to talk, to talk, Netanyahu said. However, he did clarify, and this is what I was just talking about, the government received a mandate from the public, and it plans to fulfill it. He's talking about judicial reform as something that was one of the election topics won by the right wing in Israel. The right wing formed a coalition, fair and square, but nobody, by the way, I'm just thinking about this now. Nobody, of course, on the left had any problem with the previous government, which was a combination of parties representing all different sorts of opinion thrown in together, including the party representing the Muslim Brotherhood in Israel. Nobody had a problem with any of that or the fact that the prime minister had 
what was it, six or seven mandates at one point. Yet he was the prime minister and he did what he wanted to do. And uh, nobody had a problem with that. Now, when we have an election, which, you know, whose results actually represent the will of the people on the policies in the direction that this country should head towards, people are protesting in the streets. There's supposed to be another one of these days of disruption. I think again on Thursday, just traffic snarled everywhere throughout the country. It's just a a disaster for everybody. And God forbid anybody should need a visit to a hospital or who knows what during these protests and can't get there. I mean, the prime minister himself had to take a helicopter from Jerusalem to the airport to fly to Rome because um, he couldn't get there. The roads, the entrances to the airport were blocked. So that's what he had to do. Anyway, before I mention these uh, reports of um, Tehran and Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, of those countries coming together, the front page of today's Jerusalem Post reports that a credible military threat against Iran, coupled with a tough Western diplomatic stance, is the best way to weaken the impact of the resumption of diplomatic relations between Tehran and Riyadh, a senior Israeli official told reporters over the weekend. So he's responding to the Iranian-Saudi Arabian deal reached earlier that day. This was, I believe, on, what was it, on Friday or Saturday, uh, to reestablish relations after years of hostility that had threatened stability and security in the Gulf and helped fuel conflicts in the Middle East from Yemen to Syria. This deal was brokered by China. It was announced after four days of undisclosed talks in Beijing between top security officials from the two rival Middle East powers. So is this the real deal? Time will tell if Iran and Saudi Arabia are now on the same team. But there is a major problem here when it comes to, number one, um, reports that Saudi Arabia was considering joining the Abraham Accords. How can they be part of the Abraham Accords with Bahrain and the UAE? Uh, the U.S. and, of course, Israel, while at the same time they are now apparently budding up to Iran, who is who we were supposed to be forming a, an alliance, an alliance rather against. Israeli politicians immediately expressed concern as the move appeared to throw a monkey wrench in what of Netanyahu's Netanyahu's new government uh, policy initiatives to normalize ties, as I just said, with Saudi Arabia. Israel has presumed that the imperative to create a Gulf alliance between Israel and its Arab partners against Iran would help provide an incentive for the establishment of diplomatic ties between Israel and Saudi Arabia. Of course, former Prime Ministers Bennett and and Yair Lapid um, blamed Netanyahu and his policies for the fact that Iran and Saudi Arabia are budding up. However, a senior government official... um, the same official probably, which I referred to before in the TOI article, uh, blamed their governments, blamed the governments of Lapid and Bennett for the Iranian-Saudi reapproachment, noting that talks toward the agreement had begun already last year when they were in power. Negotiations for this deal started about a year ago with a round of at least five meetings, including the arrival of senior Saudi officials in Iran and Iranian visits to Saudi Arabia in return, this official said. Must be the same official referred to as before. It's possible that at the same time, the Saudis felt that the Israeli, uh, the Israeli stand on Iran was not strong enough. So 
just to break it down, uh, what, I, what was just reported by the Jerusalem Post, the Saudi Arabia, the logic here is, if you're Saudi Arabia, well, Israel is not doing enough uh, to go after Iran. And according to this official, it's because of the weak, um, the, the previous government, Israeli government, which was viewed as being weak. And that is why talks began. And perhaps, perhaps there is a bond now between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Let's see if Iran continues to attack in places like Yemen and other strategic facilities and uh, sea vessels throughout the Middle East. Let's see if that continues or that now stops. And let's see where this leaves Israel. Will Saudi Arabia be on board if Israel is forced to attack Iran um, if it goes nuclear or just before it goes nuclear? What will the UAE and Bahrain, what will their role be in all of this? If Israel is forced to act, um, Saudi Arabia was viewed as the most important country that Israel could have established a peace deal with. Will that happen or not? Time will tell, but certainly disturbing with these images of the Saudis and the Iranians, perhaps, perhaps in the same corner, um, in the same corner of the ring here in the Middle East. Let's switch now to uh, local terror. Of course, on Thursday night, we had a terrorist attack on Dizengoff Street in Tel Aviv. Three Israelis wounded, two in serious condition. This was reported by JNS on Friday, and I don't have an update, but it's uh, probably accurate for, for today as well. Or Asher, 32-year-old Or Asher, was fighting for his life on Friday after undergoing surgery for a bullet wound to the neck sustained during the terror attack on Dizengoff Street in Tel Aviv on Thursday night. A 23-year-old Arab Hamas member from the town of uh, Nilin near Ramallah opened fire outside of a cafe on the corner of Dizengoff and Ben-Gurion streets in the heart of the coastal city. Also wounded, Rotem Mansano, 34 years old, who's also in serious condition. The third victim, Michael Astan, 36 suffered mild to moderate wounds, receiving treatment in the hospital. Um, the three Israeli friends were on their way to a wedding and they were attacked by the Arab terrorist, whose name I'm not going to mention now. He fled the scene before he was uh, shot and killed, deservingly so. Israel Defense Force soldiers, reported also by, by JNS, arrested two of the terrorists' uh, relatives during a, a military operation in Elin, they also mapped out the terrorists' house for potential demolition, according to IDF sources. What we need to do now is pray for Or Ben Natalie, or Natalie, Or Ben Natalie, Rotem Ben Chava. Those are the two Israelis who are in serious condition. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for their full and speedy recoveries. Those two who were wounded in Thursday night's, uh, Thursday night's terror attack. On Friday, two Arab Israelis turned themselves in to police. Uh, they are the ones who drove the terrorists to, uh, to the area to perpetrate this attack. Again, I don't know how much they knew, if they were aware of his intentions. Time will tell. But this guy, if you saw the video, this terrorist, he calmly came into the heart of Tel Aviv, uh, had a cup of coffee, was at a cafe, and then got up and went outside and started looking for Jews to murder. That's what happened on 
Thursday night. So the wave, if you want to call it that, the wave of terror continues uh, here in Israel. Um, a, another a terrorist attack was foiled, according to Arut Shev, Israel National News, at a farm in Samaria, the Shomron, on Friday morning. Again, just hours after the Tel Aviv uh, attack. And another attempt, an, an attempted bombing on a bus in the community of Beitari Lit, located in Gush Etzion, um, on this Israeli farm, an Arab terrorist armed with a knife and pipe bombs infiltrated the farm. This is near Malay Shamron. Began shouting, Al Akbar, the owner of the farm, spotted the terrorist with his knife, opened fire, and killed him. Um, again, he was found uh, to be carrying multiple pipe bombs. So, uh, thank God in that instance, the attack was foiled, and in the Incident there in Beitari Lid in Gush Etzion, the Jewish press reported that the IDF and the uh, Israel Security Force, Israel Security Services, the Shabak announced they captured the terrorist that had placed a bomb on the number 225 bus in Beitari Lid and um, actually forced this city, this is a ultra-Orthodox Jewish community, Haredi, if you will, forced the city to be placed on full lockdown on Thursday night all the way into Friday morning. Uh, thank God for the passengers on the bus. This uh, remote control bomb did not go off. It just fizzled and smoked. Didn't blow up. Didn't blow up. No one was injured in the attack. The terrorist was a uh, was arrested in the village of Batir, also in the area in Gush Etzion. Four other suspects arrest, arrested, accused of aiding the terrorist. Um, and a vehicle suspected of being used by the terrorists in transporting the bomber was confiscated. Thank God no Israeli forces injured when capturing the terrorists there in uh, Batir. At the same time, uh, last night, a number of armed Arabs uh, started firing at a special Golani uh, reconnaissance unit patrol near the village of Jit, that is in Samaria, also in the Shomron, in the area of Yitzhar, Kedumim, in that area. Uh, the Golani force, this, by the way, I th I'm not sure if I said this, is also the Jewish press reporting, the Golani force, which the IDSF, IDF said was carrying out a proactive, uh, a proactive activity in the area, responded and shot the three armed men. Um, the IDF confirmed three terrorists were killed during exchange of fire, and another one, was arrested, and a fourth one turned himself in. So this happened just last night in Samaria. It's real, it's here, it's happening all over, from Tel Aviv to Samaria to Gush Etzion. Uh, they are trying to, uh, they're trying to kill us, they're trying to murder us, because we're Jewish, because we're Jews, here in the land of Israel. And thank God for the IDF and the security forces doing everything in their power to thwart these attacks. Back to the Prime Minister's, uh, you, know, you know what, before we go back to the Prime Minister's um, uh, there's a news brief here, a JNS news brief, uh, also Jerusalem Post reporting from the Prime Minister's trip to Rome. I just want to mention this as I flip through today's Jerusalem Post. Um, I wanted to point this out here. The Palestinian, author Palestinian Authority, right? The PA, our peace partners, our friends, um, the governor of Shechem, what they call Nablus, Ibrahim Ramadan, that's his name, and his friends went and visited the home of the Hamas terrorist responsible for murdering two Israeli brothers. 
Hillel and Yagel Yaniv in Chawara. So here you have a PA head um, attending uh, the mourning tent of these of this Hamas terrorist who was eventually killed, thank God, by the IDF. Um, the terrorist, by the way, was in an Israeli prison, and for some reason he was released, even though there was um, proof that he was involved in terrorism. He was also, um, yes, at one point arrested by the PA themselves, but it's all a big joke because here you have the PA officials going to visit a Hamas uh, terrorist and praising him. The mayor of Shechem praised this Hamas terrorist um, for carrying out an act of martyrdom. So PA, Hamas, all these terror organizations, they all overlap. When it comes to hating on the Jews, when it comes to hating on Israel, they all overlap. And remember, the whole, you know, one of the founding principles or, you know, provisions of the Oslo Accords was we're going to arm and train the PA because they're going to be the ones who fight against Hamas, right? What a joke that was. What a mistake that was. Arming the PA, thinking that they were going to go after Hamas, when just a few years later, they started turning their guns on Israel. I mean, how did we not see that, right? I mean, many of us did know that that was going to happen, but, you know, not those calling the shots back in uh, 1990, 1993, what have you. Anyway, so I thought it was important to, uh, to mention that the PA Hamas uh, love fest when it comes to hating on Jews, hating on Israel. We're back, going back to Prime Minister Netanyahu. Jerusalem Post reported that Italy and Israel intend to increase cooperation in economics. Some positive news here. Cyber technology, security, defense, and the environment. As Prime Minister Netanyahu and Italian Prime Minister Georg, Georgia, is that her name? Meloni. If I'm mispronouncing that, let me know. Is it Georgia Meloni? This is what they stressed in a joint statement giving, given to the press on Friday. According to JNS, Prime Minister Netanyahu gave an interview to Italy's La Repubblica newspaper and said, I believe the time has come for Rome to recognize Jerusalem as the ancestral capital of the Jewish people for 3,000 years, as the United States did with a gesture of great friendship. Uh, of course, under the Trump administration, so Netanyahu asking the Italians to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Likely? Not likely? Mm, not so sure. Not so sure that's likely at this point. Moving on here, uh, JNS reports Israeli lawmaker Danny Danon from the Likud was elected on Sunday to serve as a member of the Inter-Parliamentary Parliamentary Union's Anti-Terrorism Committee. Danone is currently heading an Israeli delegation at a conference in Bahrain hosted by the inter can I say it say it properly interparliamentary there I did it union I've never heard of this uh, this organization or this body but Danone won this secret ballot election there are 47 nations represented represented here the anti terror the IPU's anti-terrorism committee is comprised of lawmakers from 14 countries. They meet several times a year to discuss global attacks and means to combat terrorism on an international scale. Danone is heading the first group of Israeli lawmakers to Bahrain since the U.S. brokered Abraham Accords normalized relations between Jerusalem and Manama. In September of 2020, 
So congratulations to Danny Danone, who is serving as a, a member of this uh, Inter-Parliamentary Union's Anti-Terrorism Committee. It is a, it's a big honor. Um, you know, we could probably spend an entire show once again talking about judicial reform or whatnot. I suggest people go to JNS.org and find the article about, uh, actually, we mentioned Kohelet, the Kohelet Policy Forum. Find the talk that Moshe Coppell, the head of the Kohelet Policy Forum, gave um, just, what was it, about 10 days ago to a group in Jerusalem. There's an article and a, uh, a video that goes along with the article on JNS.org. And if you're having trouble understanding what the judicial reform is all about, and I believe, and I really truly believe that 95 to 98% of the people protesting or claiming to protest against judicial reform don't even know what is written in the bill, what it's all about, what it says. Go check out Moshe Capel and his talk and read the article. If you really want to understand it, it's not, in my opinion, again, I don't have a legal mind. It's not so simple. It's not so easy, but you, have to, you might have to read it a few times and watch the video a few times, but learn about what's actually being talked about, what's being discussed, what the plan actually says, you know, before you go out and you have the right to demonstrate, of course, again, you don't have the right to block offices and prevent, you know, people from voting, members of Knesset from voting and block highways and, and all of that, that is above and beyond the pale of democracy. And it's, hypocritical, of course, but I advise you, if you are unclear, go go to JNS, and if you email me, josh at thelandofisrael.com, I think I put it on my Facebook page, but you can email me also, happy to send you a link, which I think does the, the best job I've seen so far in clarifying exactly what the judicial reform is all about. It's now available for the public, so you can read it for yourself and decide if you're for, against, if you want to protest, if you want to protest illegally, which I am not uh, recommending, but before you uh, before you go out there, maybe read up on it before you decide you're going to block a highway and prevent somebody from going to the hospital or from or uh, prevent people from going to the airport uh, and catching a flight. So maybe read up on it before you go out and do that. Anyway, just uh, finishing on some some positive. It is supposed to rain here in Israel on Tuesday. When I understand, it's like an eighty percent chance of rain in Jerusalem and surrounding areas and in different parts of the country. So that's, that's positive. We could use, it's been a pretty dry winter, so we could use all the rain possible here in the Jewish state. So thank God rain scheduled uh, or predicted rather for Tuesday. And I think for Wednesday as well. So that's positive news. We're going to end on that again, another edition of Israel uncensored on the land of Israel network at the land of Israel.com. My name is Josh Haston. Get in touch with me during the week. Josh at thelandofisrael.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, shout out, special shout out to Benjamin Bresky, engineer extraordinaire, Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. Wishing everyone a wonderful week. Most importantly, be safe. Coming to you from Jerusalem, eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everybody. Shalom, shalom. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Land of Israel Network. Check out my show, the Ishai Fleischer Show, with Torah, politics, insights, and spirituality, and the face of Moses. The light that shines from him is shining onto you. Shine it back to us here in the Land of Israel Network. Can't wait to see you on the Ishai Fleischer Show.
The Yishai Fleischer Show, the voice of a new generation of pro-Israel activists, every week on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.